This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hey, everybody. This is Common Sense with Tamar Weinberg. I am the founder of Tamar, and I have with me Rachel Berger, she is really inspiring and i really want to just talk to her and learn her story she just finished a marathon and she has had this really interesting life trajectory that i felt that i thought was really important to kind of discuss and share and learn a little bit about her rise above the ashes and her experiences that have brought her to this point so Rachel, Hi. thank you for coming. <laughs> My pleasure. And I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, basic stuff, and where should I start? Which point in my life? <laughs> uh, well, what are you doing now? Okay. And so right now, I am the owner of the Kosher Dinner Lady, which is a company that does custom baking. I am the baker, and I do all the baking. <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah. And um, I take orders and I bake and I have a cooking school that I run during the summer. I teach kids um, cooking. Kids are between the ages of nine and 12. And I love, I really love it because um, a lot of kids are picky eaters and uh, I feel like giving them the tools to see healthy foods in a different way and actually be able to put them together um, and eat food that they've created with their own hands is very exciting to them. And the week, the, the segment of the week of cooking camp, I run a few segments, ends in a uh, chopped competition where the kids get ingredients and they have to create. And then you really see how important it is to them and how creative they are and how proud they are of themselves for creating creating meals and they're very excited to go home and tell their parents about it and um and i love all year long parents come up to me and tell me what their kids have been making so it feels uh it feels very good cool cool. so that's what i'm doing now (laughs) you're inspiring a new generation of bakers well not so much baking with the kids it's really the food I limit the baking with them with the kids because I'm trying to not focus on desserts, even though that's what I love and and that's what I sell. But as far as the kids are concerned, I try and focus on real food and healthy eating. So with real ingredients, so that's what I'm cool up to. Awesome. So I want to go into that. I want to ask you a little bit about okay. like what brought you into that the competition component and all that. <laughs> but tell me, I know you come from like a very traditional uh, career in the fact that you were a trained lawyer yes and now you're this baker entrepreneur cook yes cookbook person yeah and tell me a little bit about that and how you went from one strength to a bigger strength okay so honestly I, I remember being in elementary school and wanting to be a lawyer I was very well read. I read a lot, and I was very inspired by Perry Mason, and and pictured myself being a lawyer. And that's all. I went into high school knowing I was going to go to law school. Went to college knowing I was going to go to law school. 
And then I went to law school, practiced law for about 10 years, and then I had one kid, then I had two kids, I had three. By the time it was number four, I just, you know, with each kid, I cut down my hours because I wanted to be home um, with them, but I didn't want to give up my, my career. And, but by the time number four came, I, I remember the moment when I, when I quit. <laughs> it was, I was at the dentist with all four of my kids at the same time. There was a pediatric dentist that had four chairs and I had one kid in each chair and I had a closing the next morning and the client called me with an emergency which wasn't a real emergency, but in his, you know, the client's eyes, it was, I have to talk to you. And this was after normal business hours. And of course, I, I stupidly answered the phone because I, that's, I, I like, you know, to take care of things and to answer my phone when somebody's calling me. And um, the dentist comes over to me. My kids are crying, one of them in particular. And he comes over to me and he says, Mommy, your child needs you with this look in his eye, like he cut me down and I don't know what, something inside me, I was just like, wrapped it up with my, my client on the phone, said, I, I will call you back, hung up on him basically, took care of my kids, got them out of there, I went home and I told my husband, I can't do this. I, I, I was at the dentist with my kids, but I wasn't with my kids. Right. I was handling my client on the phone, but I, I wasn't, my mind wasn't there. I, I couldn't do it. I just... It was heartbreaking to me to think that after all the years, that's the only thing I ever wanted was to be a lawyer and to stand there and know that when I left, it, it was highly unlikely. I, was, I knew I was not going to be able to go back. I don't know why. I just knew it was not going to happen. And the first day was, you know, I wrapped up things. I was working on a few closings at the time. I wrapped up those cases. And I just told my boss that I wasn't coming back. And he said, well, when you're ready, you tell me I'm, I'm ready to have you back, which made me feel good. So in my head, like, I, I said, okay, when I'm ready, I'm going to go back, you know. And, you know, a year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, and then I became the perfect volunteer, you know, volunteering for this, volunteering for that, running the this drive, running that drive, ran the, you know, the, the book fair, ran the this, you know, became active in the shul, in the synagogue and did the, uh, you know, the whole, you know, setting up speakers and running events and, you know, just became so active with that. And, and, you know, 10 years goes by pretty quickly and then all of a sudden my kids don't really need me as much and I don't need to be there all the time. And I found my days were very empty and I, I knew I had to do something, but I wasn't prepared to go back to work where I would be at somebody else's beck and call. And I had to find something I, I wanted to do that I would enjoy, but still be able to be home and available. And... Um, my kids are the ones who encouraged me. I mean, I was always a baker. I always loved to bake. And it's ironic because my best friend gave me, as a graduation present from law school, a cookbook. So what does that tell you? I was known as... It was meant to happen. It was, you know, it was meant to be. I mean, we always took cooking classes together. And we, you know, I was known as, like, the baker. So, like, people would ask me to make their birthday cakes and their kids this and that. 
Anyway, so with my kids' encouragement, you know, they made the flyer for me, and I had a pop-up bake sale a few years back. I don't know how, five, probably two, three years ago. And um, it was before the Jewish holidays, and it was very successful. And I was like, that's it. I'm opening a store. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm going all in. It's a lot of real estate. And I know, a lot of empty stores uh, right around here. And I was like, you know what? I don't. I don't want to go out of business so fast and be an empty store on North Avenue. So, um, you know, I, I reeled it in a little bit and decided to start small and see where it went. And in the meantime, like I ended up where I am now because never really took it to the next level because of, you know, circumstances and, you know, still need to be home and still not willing to lose every penny I've saved to this point in my life. So, and... Um, so, you know, still trying to figure things out, even though, you know, I'm at this stage of my life where, you know, I don't think you ever have things quite figured out. So, ever. ever. (laughs) So I'm kind of just going along with the flow, doing what's good now, but still trying to see where, where I want to take the next, the next step. But you have a lot more flexibility now because you're no longer really beholden to these demanding clients I mean I assume you still have demanding clients but in a different uh, type of capacity not as demanding. I kind of run the show now like if somebody calls me and asks me for something and I I'm not available or I have too many orders that week I, I turn them down it's hard because I used to say yes 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 because I just wanted the business right it's good it's good to be able to it's, say no it's nice to be able to say no it, it, it's hard to say no but right. I've learned to do it and I'm much happier for it because I pick and choose what I want to do I mean Yes, I mean, thank God I'm in a situation where I have that luxury of being able to turn down the work if I don't want it. So um, I'm not the primary earner in my family. So, uh, but it's still, you need, I think everybody needs something that they can do for themselves where they feel like they're contributing, they feel like they're learning and growing. And it, I mean, money is good, but it doesn't, it's not the whole story so it's about the happiness of being able to do what you do yeah you, you want to feel like you it like you matter right. <laughs> you know so um, so so let's take that foray into okay. like your chopped competitions that you're doing and this this instilling these this I guess the self-esteem within little little tiny bakers and, and yeah co- well cooks and you're right and so tell me tell me a little bit about how that happened because you're doing a lot of different things I mean well somebody in the community approached me and it was um, around the same time that I had started the bakery uh, I started writing for the local newspaper and somebody approached me and their daughter likes to to cook and she doesn't like sports camps and she didn't want to go to sleepaway camp and she didn't know what she was doing that summer and the mother said would you be willing to do a camp for a few girls who are not you know looking to do something local and they really like cooking and I remember like thinking oh like feeling oh my gosh like I have to commit to something like it was like I have to commit to that to somebody you have to commit to your cakes <laughs> I have to commit right it, it was you know and then I finally like she was like no pressure if you can you can if you can I totally understand and I was like you know what else am I doing like why can't what's wrong with me why can't I just say yeah sure I'll do it you know what, what else am I doing you know once I get my own kids off to camp once my you know my summer is set up what what am I what am I spending my day doing really right. and I was like you know what yes I'm gonna commit and that first summer I committed to that week I had 10 girls and I uh, had a great week and I really enjoyed it. And the following summer I did, I think, 
I filled up three weeks of camp. The following summer, I did four weeks. I think, I, I mean, it just kept growing and growing with more and more kids like wanting to do it, and and many of them doing it for multiple weeks. Like it's like however many weeks you have, I want my kid to do it. And I was like, wow, like wow, this will be the sixth summer coming up that I'm doing it already. So it's pretty incredible, and I already have people emailing me because they want to make sure they don't get closed out. I've had like a few inquiries already. I might have to talk to you about that too. Unless yeah. she'll be eight. I'm not sure so, about nine. It's a little young. Nine, yeah. Eight's a little on the young side. Once I had an eight-year-old prodigy who was amazing. Oh, she's not there yet. Uh, yeah, she was amazing. And yeah, the girls walk in and some of them see that knife because I make them all bring a chef's knife seven or eight inch chef's knife and they take a look and the parents are more scared than the kids and they're like really you sure i'm like trust me <laughs> if, by the end of the week when you see those kids wield that knife chop up like making salads cutting up onions like champs you know and they're so proud they're so proud their mother walks in like, ma look what i made you know i might have to go to this camp i'm you know every at the end of every summer the mother's like could you do a mommy cooking camp I totally and I, need to. <laughs> nobody wants to commit that amount of time i'll commit you'll I'll commit. commit i'm Let's ready i'm going come on i'm down. totally going <laughs> see this scar over there is that from a knife oh yeah all right yep it's a real scar everybody okay yeah um yes it was from a collar knife when i was yeah about ninth grade Wow, okay, so that's really going way back. But uh, yeah, well, see if you learn how to use a knife properly when you're nine years old. You'll, you'll uh, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't have sensation. I didn't have nerve sensation for a year yeah. afterwards. Yeah, it takes it was, a year for a nerve to grow back. It's really, really, it was very sad. I really thought I was going to lose, lose this and lose it forever. So. Wow. Anyhow, so, um, and then you decided to culminate with this, like, chop competition. Or yeah, just, I think it just gives the kids the opportunity. We do the chop competition on Thursday, and I use ingredients that we've, you know, expose them to all week and I introduce like weird you know like on TV you know and they're so excited and I bring in um, women from the community to judge so they really feel it's serious like you gonna judge this year okay totally so I get people to come in and they and they taste their food and they give them good critique and they taste it seriously and uh, and they take it seriously and um, and the kids really you know, they listen to the, you know, and, and I do have a winner. And one of the mothers actually said to me, you know, I really appreciate that you had a winner. That not, oh, everybody's a winner yeah. kind of thing. You know, it, it's hard. But you know what? Everybody gets complimented on something that they were good at. And everybody is good at something. So, and there's no prize. You're just, you get the title, right. <laughs> you know. But everybody is, uh, you know, I think I think the kids really feel good about themselves, about what they produced. And I... I you know, and especially when the judge, some judges are more, you know, uh, you know, um, complimentary than others. And there was one, somebody's um, grandmother came to judge this year and she came twice and she literally, she was like, wait, can I take this home? Can I wrap this up and take this home with me? I really, I really enjoyed it, you know, and the kids are just beaming, you know, and it's just. It's really, it's really good. It's hard. It's a lot of work. My house is a disaster when they're done. and um, But when it's over, I'm like, really, I really feel accomplished. I feel good about it. So. You're, giving, you're, giving, you're definitely giving them a boost. So that's I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I they come back. Are. Okay, and they, if they come back, for they sure. They come back. They come back. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of like what I want to talk about here also is to kind of get it get a feel for everybody like has a story where I mean we're all human and even though we are, are we're, we, we definitely don't come from the perfect background the perfect 
history, the perfect life story. Um, and everybody has their own internal struggles. So I know that you, you've talked about how you've kind of had struggles and I'd love to like, you know, I mean, I know that you're better and stronger for it, but I wanted to get a little bit of, of your story in however comfortable you are. To okay. Talk about. So I guess I could start. It's it sort of, to me, almost sounds like a cliche a little bit, but when I was, um, 12 my family made Aliyah move to Israel we went we lived there for four years and um, I, you know we all had a hard time adjusting and I guess my parents more than the rest of us as they ended up getting divorced and my mom ended up coming back to the States with the five five of us and we we were all kind of you know from I'm sure every each one of my siblings has their own version of how they feel things went down but from my perspective I kind of feel like we were all left to fend for ourselves in a way especially the older kids because we were older I've had younger siblings so they were really more of a concern I think to my mother but you know she when I think back I'm older than she was when she got divorced and she you know was 40 with five kids on her own I, I can't even imagine you know when I put myself in her shoes now like wow, I could have a much greater appreciation for what she must have been going through because I, you know, of course when you're, I was 16 at the time when they got divorced, so I was just wrapped up in like, I, I was in 12th grade in high school, I was interested in boys and my friends and I wanted to be popular and, you know, all the usual stuff. So, you know, that was my focus and um, got into college. I. You know, my parents' divorce was a little messy my first year of college, so I, I never really felt like like down by it. Like I, I felt like I was able to compartmentalize it into like that was going on at home, but I was this other person at school and I was successful at school and I, you know, was involved in school and of course, you know, I had my mission to go to law school, so I had I had a focus. Like, it, like it, it, I never, I don't think I ever got lost because of what was going on at home. But I know, you know, looking back now, like I never went home for the weekend. Like I always had an excuse to stay in school or why I needed to stay in school. But I guess that was my coping mechanism and school was my safe place and my happy place where I was not attached to my baggage. I was just, you know, in my own bubble and felt successful and happy. And when I would go home, I'd have to deal with all the crap, you know, that was going on. And when I stayed in school, I was able to, you know, my sister now will say, oh, well, you ran away, you know? And I'm like, I ran away. I was self-preserving, <laughs> you know? I put myself in a place that I felt good, good about myself. And I'm sorry, you know, if they weren't able to or if they, they couldn't, you know, but looking back I, I I think I did very well for myself and in, in not letting that drag me down which right. it really you didn't could, let it define you it, in a way that could right. have really changed your whole demeanor yeah so um, and I did it you know on my own I mean I went to school law school I paid for it borrowed like did what I had to do like I never asked you know my family for anything you know and I met my husband while I was in school I didn't know he would be my husband at the time but you know that worked out well <laughs> and yep. uh you know so I, I you know I really 
I, I really feel lucky, but you know, it's interesting because somebody once said to me, I don't know, I was at a conference, I think, and they say, you make your luck because right. you put yourself where you were to have that luck, <laughs> you right. know? So I, I've been thinking about things differently a little bit. Like when I say, I really was lucky. Like I was lucky, you know, that I got into law school, that I was successful, that I met my husband, that I, you know, ended up where I ended up. So how, how much of that is luck or how much is, is that I made it happen for myself because of what I was able to do for myself? I don't know. I mean, I think part of it is luck and blessing, you know, but I think, and I feel blessed that I was able to make it into what it is, you know? And it's, it's funny, because my whole life, like, when I thought about, like, oh, my friends, they had normal lives, they had normal parents, they had normal home. Like, I always just wanted to live in a house, you know? My mother lived in a small apartment, we were all squished in, like, you know, one bedroom. And I just wanted to just be like everyone else and have a normal, normal life and that's what I wanted to give my kids and I, I find it so where I am today I feel like I'm so happy I'm so like regular <laughs> you know but now it's like the, the cool thing is like to be out of the box and looking right. to be not regular you know which I find it's so it's so hard you know to think you know what I could I could differentiate myself from everybody else by being not mainstream not normal you know so um I don't know, it's just interesting that I, so so to me, like going back a little bit to having given up law, my law practice or, you know, that was a big, you know, there's a lot more, you know, tied to that because that was my whole anchor of my whole life, you know, it was getting to that point. But I think you keep making new goals and new, um, new points. Like, so when I, I had that goal, okay, so now what, you know, right. like now what? So then I got married. Okay, so now, like, I, I was hitting all the milestones I was supposed to hit, you know. All right, got the house, got the husband, got the kids, you know. So it's like, now what, you know. So now I'm going to try and be out of the box. And now I'm going to try and differentiate myself, you know, figure out what it is that I could do for myself. Not not because I care about what anybody else is looking at me as, but, you know. So, so you just did something yes. that I guess would could be considered out of the box, and you ran twenty six point two miles yes. in New York City. So, tell me a little bit about that. So, okay, so it's funny. It that's been I would say twenty two years in the making. Before I had my daughter, I was living in the city, and I remember like a whole group of us were living in an apartment building, and we were all like we all joined Weight Watchers together. We were all trying to lose weight. And back then, I only had like 12 pounds to lose, <laughs> you know. And uh, and we used to there was a gym in the building, and we would go down to the gym, and we was you know go on the treadmill. And our, somebody made a joke, oh, one day you're gonna run the marathon. And I remember thinking, what? Like that's crazy, you know. But but in my head somewhere, it like stuck. One day I'll run a marathon. Anyway, years and years later, I became friends with this girl. She eventually ended up a health coach. And I don't know, I guess I expressed to her like that I always wanted to run, but I just can't. I'm not, I'm just not athletic. I'm not built to run. I'm not a runner. But there was something that when I would see somebody run, I would be like, oh, wow, I'm so jealous. Like, I wish I could run. And she's like, you can. And I remember thinking, like, no, you don't understand. I, I can't run from here to the corner. I can't run. She's like, yeah, you can if you want to, you know. And then I remember, like, putting on my sneakers, putting on my, you know, workout clothes, 
going down to Pinebrook over here, standing at, on the street, looking down and thinking, okay, and being embarrassed beyond belief that somebody was gonna see me not run and thinking, I'm, I'm just gonna run and I'll see how far I could go. And I ran and I was able to run for nine minutes. And I remember thinking, wow, like I ran for nine minutes. I'm, that's my run. I'm gonna run every day for nine minutes. And that's how I started. I started running every day for nine minutes. And then eventually I went to 10 minutes and then I went to 12 minutes and I went to 13 minutes. And over, over this course of a few months, I like increased, increased, increased till I got to about 25 minutes. 25 minutes to 30 minutes took me forever. I just could is that's crazy. It seems like, why? Yeah, it is. I couldn't go from 25. I mean, you, you're a runner now, so. Kinda. Okay, kinda. It takes, it, it takes guts also to say I'm a runner. Like you have to say it. Because you don't believe it, right? Once you it, start right? running, you are you're a runner. A run. If you, you run, yeah. I know, I saw that quote. If you run, you're a runner. Right. But still, it's like, no, but I'm not a runner. Yeah. <laughs> so. Everyone else is a runner. Everyone else is a runner, cause, but I'm not a runner. Yeah. I just, like, pretend to be a runner. Right? You know. Anyway. Um, anyway, so the same friend of mine was, it was a health coach. I don't know if I had said that. And she gave me this printout of a program that if you could run three miles you could train for a half marathon and I remember like thinking half marathon that's 13 miles yep. that's insane and she's like it's this event is 23 weeks away sign up for it and I remember thinking all right she told me to like you know when somebody else tells you to do something like you just do it you know sometimes you sometimes sometimes <laughs> sometimes but I guess I really wanted it you know and then I just started following the plan. I just it said Monday run three miles, Tuesday rest, Wednesday run two miles, Thursday run five miles, you know, and I just started doing it. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm standing at the start line and I'm running a race. I, I crossed that finish line. I was sobbing. I was literally, he, I, I couldn't believe that I had accomplished something that I thought was impossible. It was impossible. And it really was very empowering. It was very empowering to know I accomplished something that I thought I could never do. And I remember thinking all the people along the way clapping and cheering, and I'm like, I'm just running. Like, why, why are you guys here? You know, why are you clapping for me? Like, I'm, it was just so, it was so strange. Anyway, since that time, I've done about six half marathons plus a, a handful of other races, but, and I kept applying for the New York City Marathon because I'm like, if I could do a half, I could do a whole. And of course, my uncle's like, you know, Rachel, doing, who, who has run nine marathons, and he, he said, you know, running a whole marathon isn't like running two halves. It's very different. And I remember thinking, like, what does he mean? <laughs> like, what does that mean? Anyway, but when you finish a half marathon and you think, okay, you got to do that again. Right. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, okay. Um, anyway, I applied for the New York City Marathon a few times, didn't get in, and it was kind of went on the back burner to one day, one, yeah, one day, you know, and then my sister um, became a runner a few years ago, and she did the, half mar did the marathon, the New York City Marathon last year, and she said, Rachel, you have to apply, and I'm like, I'm not going to get in, I've done this, you know, right. and she said, apply, so I applied and forgot about it. And then she called me the day before. She's like, you're going to get in. I feel it. This is your year. I know it. It's going to happen. I'm like, okay, you know. And then the next day, I got charged my credit card. And I knew 
that's how you get in when you see the charge <laughs> you get in and I was freaking out I was like oh no like like yeah. what have I done yeah <laughs> like, this is crazy and she was she was so happy for me she's like you don't understand how life-changing this is going to be it's and at that point I had stopped running I mean eight months it was last March I found out at the end of last February and I had stopped running I couldn't even run a mile if I you know I mean, you know, you started at the same time. You were just yeah, starting. Yeah, I, I, I started in December, but I started, I made it more official in April. Yeah, so yeah. we were, we started around the same yeah. time running, and it was, it was a struggle. And, but I, but again, I had a plan. I signed up for the thing. I had to follow it. If I, if I had it, if I'm going to do this in November, I had to run every day. Yeah. It was very, it was months and months away. It was eight months away, but in my head, I was, I, I knew I knew if I trained and seeing those numbers every Sunday go up from 9 miles, 10 miles, 11 miles, 12 miles, 13 miles, and then 14, which is one mile past the longest I've ever run in my entire life. I was like, I don't know how, I don't don't know, I don't know. And then every week came and I did what I was supposed to do. And I'd be like freaking out, like, oh my God, I did it, you know? And I'm like, when I did the 18 miler in Central Park, that was the longest run I had done to date and I remember thinking oh my god I could do this like I could so do this I, I may die but I'm gonna do it you know yep. and uh, and then I had you know went back down a few miles and then I had 19 miles and I was like oh I got this you know and then I was just so excited for the opportunity and I knew I had trained whatever happened happened I knew I was crossing that finish line if I would walk, crawl, skip, hop, jump, didn't matter. I was crossing that finish line. And in the end, I exceeded my expectations. I ran, I would say, most of it. I did take a few walking breaks, but I finished. I felt good. I felt strong. I remember crossing, feeling like, is that it? Like, is that it? Like, it's over? You know, like, I, I cross. I'm like, now, like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was it. They put a medal around your neck, and you're like, I'm a marathoner. You know, that's great. You know, and, uh, yeah, so that was like feather in my uh cap felt really good awesome to get that done yeah so tell me about the um the environment of the running experience you know you meet so many people and everybody has a story everybody's running for somebody from somebody you know everybody has a reason everybody everybody is motivated by whatever it is motivates them and and anybody you talk to you're left with your jaw open nobody's just there because yay you know I'm a runner I got in so I'm gonna run like everybody has like something pushing them or something that makes them feel they have to do this and it's really it's really incredible now I understand why people are on the side cheering when I run down and people were cheering me and I, I made eye contact with anyone I wore my name on my shirt and anyone who said my name and I made eye contact with them and I smiled, like I smiled, like like I really appreciated everyone who was out there and I, I understood because I wanted to cheer for the people around me. Like you go, people were running for something, you know? We're just running to run, so it's a long day. You know, either they're, they're running to beat their time, but why, why do they want to beat their time? Because right. there's a reason, right. you know, there's a reason, so. 50,000 different reasons 50, 000, for the marathon. Yeah, exactly. Fifty three thousand different reasons. So I finished like fifty thousandth, <laughs> which is amazing because my husband's like, "You didn't finish last." I was like, "I know that was my goal. Don't get kicked off the course and don't get don't finish last." So um, yeah, it was it was mind blowing the whole experience and, and 
just yeah. really great. I'm so, really so great. talk about like the what 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 it was like in the city. You know, you had mentioned to me sort of about how like the it, they didn't shut down. So tell me a little bit about how the city was so receptive to runners who fast and slow alike. Like how that works. Um, I mean, when we started, I was like in the last, on the bottom of the Verrazano, in the last wave, in the last, second to last corral. So I was literally at the end of the line. And at that, at the end of the line, I mean, there are people who drop back because they want to run with friends. So if you're faster, you can run slower. Um, But everybody had this more relaxed attitude in the back. It wasn't like so competitive. You know, it, it was, it was, I don't know, it was just like the camaraderie and, you know, when they, the cannon went off and everybody started shuffling forward and then I, I, I saw the start line in front of me and I see the mat on the floor and I know once I cross that, my family's going to know I started, like, because they're going to see my dot on the, on the app and then they're going to be following me and... When we hit the first mile marker, which was in the middle of the Verrazano, and we all cheered. Like, everybody was like, yeah, you know, and we're like, okay, 25 more to go. But it was, like, so exciting. We, like, we passed the, a milestone, literally, the first milestone. And it was like, oh, my God, like, I'm doing this. And nobody was on the Verrazano, although people were, like, shedding clothing right and left. And it was like, I just wanted to pick it up. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then... Uh, and then you get into Brooklyn and there are bands and people handing tissues and food and like they just they wanted to be a part of it. Like they wanted to touch you and, and, and experience, you know, being a part of it. It was right. really they, they wanted to be helpful and useful. If people are handing out water bottles and paper towels and tissues and beer and, you know, homemade things like, you know, of course, I was warned, don't eat anything from anybody. Don't <laughs> touch anything you've never eaten before. Like not nothing. So I just smiled and don't even don't even wave too much at people. It's gonna use up too much of your energy. And I knew and you know, you have your instructions like don't go through Brooklyn too fast, because you gotta save your energy for the end if you burn everything up in the first and of course like I look at my watch and I see I'm 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 going too fast. I'm like, oh crap, this is not good, you know? And then I was like, part of me was like, I don't care, you know? I mean I'm gonna slow it down because when I'm enjoying this, I'm enjoying that I'm able to run fast at this point, I'm gonna I'm just going to enjoy it. And, you know, I had family all along the course. I had my husband met me at mile five, which was a surprise. I was like, oh, my God, there's my husband. And then my sister was at mile eight. My brother was mile 15. And then my husband again was at mile 12. And then he was again at mile mile 18, you know. And at each point, like, had, you know, as you got further along, people knew it was getting harder for you. And they, they were so encouraging they, they, it, was, it was unreal. Like, they wanted you to finish, and they wanted you to feel it. People were like, Rachel, the first marathon, you're amazing. You know, you could do it. You know, and I'm like, I, I know, thanks. <laughs> you know, I was like, really? It's just so amazing. Brooklyn was great. The bridges were hard because nobody was on the bridges. And then coming up First Avenue was when I first felt like, like, real. Because I am in the city all the time and running up First Avenue. I felt like I was in a movie. Did you see Britney runs marathon or no? Oh my gosh, yeah. Was it like a runner's high that you're experiencing? <sighs> Have you ever had that? I 
I don't know. I don't think about it, but I definitely had that when I finished a good run and I'm like dripping it's, in sweat. It's a sense of accomplishment. It is a sense of accomplishment. I don't know if that would be the runner's high or not, but... It happens during the run and I've only had it once and I'm not even sure. It happens during the run? I don't know that I've... I don't know that I've ever had it during the run. I always have it when I'm done, you know, and I just feel like... like why didn't I? Why don't I run more often? You know, when I stopped running and then I'd run again, I go, I forgot how much I enjoy this. Because right. people, when you talk to them, they're like, Oh, I hate running. Oh, I hate running. And I'm like, Like, shut up. <laughs> you know, like I really enjoy it. Like, don't make me feel like, like, am I weird? Because I love running. I mean, right. but then you see there are fifty thousand people out there who want, love running. Love running. Or so I'm they? just hanging out with the wrong people, I guess. You know, but um, yeah, First Avenue, getting into the Bronx. Coming back into Manhattan, I mean, I was like, I was. It's already getting dark by the time I was getting back into the city, and my when I when I my goal was I, I didn't want to run in the dark, and I and I didn't want to get swept off the course, and I knew six and a half hours after the last wave, I think starts, they start the sweeper trucks, right, and I I just I didn't. I mean, my sister kept telling me, like, you can't worry about that. You worry about you. You worry about your run. Don't worry about your time. Don't worry about what, you know, whatever, you know. But I, you know, in the back of your head, you still feel... Like you still want to get You still want to do it, you know. And a couple of points along the way, I looked at my watch, and I didn't know till I got back into the city that I could still beat the time I, I was running, like, that I could still do it. Like, my goal was to finish in six and a half hours the... The coaches, the virtual coaches I was training with online through the New York Roadrunners told me I should shoot for 650 to 710 as a finish. And I remember like being horrified, like seven hours? Like, I'm not, no, you know? <laughs> and then as I was training and realizing, yeah, it just, it might be seven hours, right. you know? And I just had to accept that, that that's what I was running. And then um, when I got into the city and I knew I had four miles left, um, and I, had a, and I had an hour and a half left. I had, no, sorry, I had six miles left when I got into the Bronx. Yeah, because that's 20, mile 20. And I saw I had an hour and a half left. And I was like, if I keep 15-minute mile, like, I could, I could do it. Like, I right. could do six and a half, you know? So, um, so I was still motivated to run. In the middle, it got a little hairy. But then by the end, I was, I had that drive. Right. And. Because um, you're really over the hump. I was over the hump. And. Um, my husband at mile, where was he? Mile 20, I, I don't know, he's in front of Mount Sinai, which is like up Fifth Avenue. It's like the last, when, as you head back into the park, which is the last two miles. Yeah. And he's like, Rachel, you just have this hill and then you're in the park. And once you're in the park, it's just, you're done, you know? And I, he's, and I remember like smiling. I remember thinking, yeah, I know, I know, like I got this, you know? <laughs> And um, there was one point at mile 12 when I saw him and I was like, oh my God, like I'm fading. Like I feel like I'm fading, you know? I don't, I don't, I'm very fatigued. I felt like my legs were like, I, I don't know. And then, you know, I struggled a little bit in the middle there. And then by the end, I, I felt strong. I felt good. I knew I was done. And then literally the last half mile, like on 59th Street, I see Gary again. I don't know, he was like the Energizer Bunny. He was everywhere, like crisscrossing the city with his trains in Brooklyn. He was everywhere. And then I see Gary again, and I see my sister, who had finished two hours earlier. <laughs> and she like was still wearing her bib, and she came back on the course and joined me, and we ran the last, you know, 800 meters together. And as we came in, like her shirt, 
she was supposed to wear a shirt that said Rebecca on my and my said Rachel and her shirt said Rachel's team and it was right. like so we ran into the park and there was a bandstand there and the women who were announcing things like said uh, Rachel and Rachel's team wow she has a whole team named after her and I remember like I was just laughing and then as we got like the little last little bit is uphill when I got to the top I just started walking and she was looking at me like Rachel like you could do this you could do and I was like like I know I, I just wanted to take it in like I just didn't want it to be over right. it wasn't that I couldn't run like I knew I, I saw the finish line I just I just wanted to walk you know but then I knew I, I had to run I was running across that finish line you know and then and then I saw the grandstands and then and then and then it was over you know and you're like wow that wasn't so bad <laughs> and then I was just like I want to sit down and she was like no 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 you can't sit down you can't you got to keep walking but uh, it, like you're on such a high like a because even running I was running for six and a half hours I finished in 625 so I was very very happy with that and uh, I asked my sister I said what did you what were you thinking when you saw me come running down 59th Street like were you like oh my god she's like you know there she is or she's really doing it or she's like she's like no like I knew you were gonna do it like like I was like really like I was like oh <laughs> you know she was like of course you were gonna do it Anyway, and we crossed the finish line and um, made our way back to her apartment where she had this whole surprise party for me, you know. It was, it was really, it's like so surreal, the whole experience. Like even now I think like, did I really do that? Did that happen? You know? So I saw, uh, I saw it. I was following. You saw, you saw my dot yeah. going? Well, yeah, to some degree. I was trying to follow you on Garmin, but yeah, I think you work. were like on the Verrazano Bridge for like five minutes. Yeah, and Gary said also it went out, and I don't know. And then, 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 then I had to get your information from, from Gary. Yeah, I saw the, from, from Nicole. Oh, from Nicole, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was quite the day, quite the day. And, of course, like the next day, I entered my name for the lottery for next year, even though oh. I felt like this was a one-and-done thing, but I don't know. You don't want to be a good, you know, one-time Charlie, you know. Right. I don't you know. Want to keep it going. We'll see. Got to start thinking about the other cities too, yeah. like Berlin and Boston. Yeah. So my sister's is looking to do the Abbott, like all of the uh -oh. six majors. So. Should try. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Not too late. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, that's interesting. I'm 52 years old. Okay. I ran my first marathon. I remember when I was in my 30s and people were like, somebody I knew was running the marathon and she was like 42, and I remember thinking, oh my God, she's so old. How did you do that? Like my whole perspective changed. I feel really proud that I'm 52, that I'm, okay, not a, a runner's body, not an athlete, you know, not athletic, I should say, you know, and I, I was able to do it. Like, I, I hope I inspire other people to do things, like, just because you don't... That's why we're talking. I hope so. I mean, just because you don't look the part doesn't mean you're not capable, you know? You shouldn't let anybody else define you, what you should look like, what you should be like. I'd, like, put you in a little box because you... You know, come from a certain background because you look a certain way, because you shouldn't be doing something. You know, I guess that's what people say about old age. You get to a point and you're like, ah, who cares what anybody thinks? Like, I'm just going to, you know, exactly. old people like say the craziest things, you know? And it's like, you know, start doing that a little earlier. Yeah. It takes <laughs> yeah. a very long time a for you to recognize time. that you shouldn't care what other people think. A long it's time. It's like, for me, it happened, you know, very recently. I, yeah. I was always internalizing everything. Yeah. And, but it's... That eventually you come to that point in realization and just em embrace it. It's like how to not give a yes blink. Well, I try and tell my daughter who's 22, like she also, you know, worried about what other people think, how she appears to be. And I was like, nobody cares. 
Like, why do you think people are worried about themselves and what they look like exactly. to you? So, if if you knew that, if you knew, like, if I could go back and tell myself, you know, my child self, like, nobody cares. Right. Like, and they don't remember if they do. And they don't, right, they don't go, oh, you were the kid who blah, blah, blah in elementary right. school. And if they do, first of all, I haven't seen anybody I went to elementary school with, like, oh. years. Like, I don't even know, you know, when was the last time I saw somebody I knew from when I was a kid. I mean, I'm sure other people around, you know, do see the people they went to school with. But, like, for me, it's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel bad if somebody's <laughs> like, so trapped in that, you know. I guess because my, like, leaving elementary school in the middle and moving to oh, Israel right. and coming home. Yeah. I feel like I never belonged anywhere. I was never part of, like, the clique. I was never part right. of the high school, the cool, you know, any you know, group, because I was never anywhere for long enough. Like, we moved around a lot, and, you know, so right. just... I just had my um, high school reunion, my 20th. Oh, wow. So I flew to Florida yeah. for it, and it's just weird because I, I started to realize that you're totally right. Like, I mean, I don't... I remember people in some capacity. I remember the smart kids and not the not-so-smart the not kids, but, like, you don't realize... What, what takeaways you're going to get because the smart kids aren't necessarily the most successful right and it's it's really the dynamic of that is so interesting and the cutest guy all of a sudden is like not the cutest not guy, the cutest guy anymore, yeah you know and you're like oh my god you wonder what happened to him yeah. and the cutest guy in my class yeah he has a rap sheet <laughs> oh my god the guy i had a crush on wow yeah yeah but also there are people like i know i went to college with that i formed probably you know not fair opinions of and I've met re-met them and I they just are the way they present themselves now to me and like and then I just feel bad that I ever thought negatively about them back then I don't right. think like I think everything really happens when you're older know, like, 20s you're like you're late 20s you're yeah. early 30s but for me like I was telling as I was explaining before we started this like most of the things I started really living life, um, I guess I would say in the last like 12 months. And wow. that's, yeah, you know, I'd only had almost four decades before I really started recognizing what my potential was. But that's great. But that's that. great that you did it now. There's right. some people who, who never get there. Never get there and they just live in oblivion or. Do get there when, it, and I hate to say, hate to say too late because I don't think there is a too late. I think when exactly I, somebody just said this, and I wrote down this quote. It's like whenever you you start re, start reaching for your goals is the right time. Like whenever, right. whenever it is, that's the right time. Right. You know. So whatever you had to go through to get there, unfortunately, sometimes it's more painful. You know. Sometimes you need a lot of recovery and, and a lot of yeah. soul searching. Yeah. But if you're able. If you're able to get through that, if you're able to do it, like that's that's really luck. I mean, that's yeah. that's really you know it takes a lot of work and and desire, you know, to want to get there. And sometimes you need help to to do that, you know. Yeah, there there's um, you know they, everyone talks about how Facebook and, and all the other tech uh, unicorns, if you will, were started by twenty somethings, mm -hmm. but the average age. For starting a successful business, I think I was I read a an article about this recently on on I think the Hustle, which is a really cool entrepreneurial type of publication, email lists and and other things that they have. It's like thirty eight. Really. And I mean, I'm seeing now the 
the the change in like that a lot of people just are not happy with their daily grind they're nine to five they're mm-hmm. being you know have to be responsive to every client at all hours of the day um mm-hmm. that's that's the lifestyle that i think a lot of people just don't want to do anymore um there was an article that i just read yesterday on yahoo about like these these are the lifestyles that are out and these are the lifestyles that are in and one of them was was like that I'm, I'm sorry no no offense to the hustle as a publication but they said the hustle itself is not is not sustainable because eventually you do burn out i loved what i was doing in my past mm-hmm. life but without a doubt i burnt out eventually you just do so, so my my takeaway from all that is that that you don't have to do the same thing your entire life exactly and that there's so everybody's changing their right. they're changing the you know what this this what i did when i graduated college when i graduated law school was good for me for that point of time in my life and i guess i thought that was going to be forever i thought that was my career that was my life and it wasn't it was for that time period and now i'm doing this i don't you know we'll see and now i'm happy i'm doing i'm happy doing this so we'll see you know we'll see what else and i i feel like i'm setting a good example for my kids because they're amazed they're like look at mommy going after her dreams like this is always her dream they were so proud of me when i finished you know they knew i was something i wanted to do and they were so happy for me that I did that for myself, right. and I was happy because I want them to know. Well, if you have a dream, you know, put it on your priority list, put it on your calendar, and get it done. You right. know, and and I hope that was their, you know, what they got out of it. You know, I hope so. Yeah, because you know, life is short, and you need you need to enjoy it. You need to enjoy it. You need to be happy so that you could be be there you know for yourself for your family for other people i mean it's important to give back and do things for other people um and you know if you could get that done in a variety of ways through throughout you know your lifetime doing different things it's, it's that's pretty amazing yeah <laughs> yeah pretty amazing so let's let, let's wrap up a little okay. bit um just to get your i don't know if you had like three things that you would urge anybody to do to kind of achieve their to follow their dreams go go toward their destiny like what kind of takeaways would you well one i would say define your dream like what 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 is your dream and and it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be because if you know where you're going then you know in what direction you're headed so it, it may not be a straight path. It may take you a number of years, like the marathon. You know, literally that seed was planted 22 years ago. Did I know I was going to do it one day? Yeah. Did I think it would take me 22 years? Do you think a year ago I thought I would actually do it? I, I mean, and it happened because it was something I wanted to accomplish. So I, I think don't get frustrated or sometimes you could get, you know, thrown off the path and. You know, things get in the way, life gets in the way, but if you keep that, I think, in your horizon and keep it as a goal, then you'll get it done. You'll get it done. And then just you have to figure out the steps you need to take to get there. Um, I think that would be the number one thing. And you got to keep telling yourself it's hard to believe and when things are bad and you don't think it's going to happen, just keep saying, no, that's what I want. That's what I want. You have to know what you want. And yes, you need to make yourself happy and you need to be happy. Um, when you're happy, the people around you will feel it and will be happy. People want you to be happy. They don't. People don't want to be around an unhappy person. It doesn't, you know. I mean, I, I don't mean. I don't mean people don't want to be around you if you're unhappy. That that didn't come out right. I I mean, 
when, when you're happy, you you breed happiness, you know, and you're not always happy, and sometimes you need your friends to pull you up, or, you know, you need somebody for you, and then when you see somebody else is in a bad place, and you can pull them up, you know, but, um, you know, I've seen people who are in a bad way, and just, you know, couldn't get, couldn't get out, but they, they have to do it, you know, you could, you could do everything you can to be there for them, and to help them, but if, you know, it has to come from them, so, you know, it has to come from you. If that's something that you want and it's your goal, you have to make it happen and then ask for the help that you need and that those are part of the steps you need. So if you need something, you need to be able, not, not everybody's going to know what it is you need unless right. you could define, define it for yourself. So Yeah. If I can add to that, I would only say that, you know, you have a goal mm -hmm. and surround yourself with people that will help you get there. So not necessarily your friends, for example, that'll bring you out of like, you know, your sorrow or whatever it would be. Right. Like for example, as a runner, somebody who's trying to run myself, mm -hmm. like I'm actually finding communities that I see people running every single day. Right. And I know because I have that, I have a vision of something. I'm not really sure what that vision okay. is. I, I hope the marathon is sort of there. It's kind of there. Okay. It's a little flicker of, of, a, of a marathon there. It is on my bucket list. I did write a bucket list and it is on it. Okay. But I'm still not, I can't quite materialize that whole entire uh, vision. Um, but I'm, I found all these little online communities and I see people like, for example, running toward a 5k right now. And I do see people running marathons as well. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get there. Hearing you speak about your marathon experience, it actually becomes like kind of, you can kind of visualize it in your right. mind. Really? So that's actually good. So <laughs> good. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with the people who bring you to that point. Right. And I think that's a really important point. Right. And it could, yeah. So you have, if you're in this, like if I'm in the cake business and I want to get better at that or build my business, I need to find people who are in that business who can help me and give me advice. So I, I belong to groups where there are people who can help me or that I can contribute to wherever, I, you know, whatever point I'm at. But, um, and then there's the running aspect. There's the, you know, there are lots of little, you know, you have a lot of facets to, to you, to your life. And, and yes, in all of those aspects, if you get the people be with people who are like-minded um, so that you could, um, you know, you could all help each other achieve achieve the goals that you want to achieve, so. Cool. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so oh, much, Rachel. You're welcome. This is My amazing. pleasure. <laughs> I, loved, I love hearing your story. I okay. love it. I think there's a lot of a lot of takeaways, a lot of important, inspiring messages. And oh, glad to hear. <laughs> yeah, and uh, thank you again. Uh, again, this is Tamara Weinberg, and I am with Rachel Berger, and she is amazing and an awesome inspiration. <laughs> And I wish you much success. Thank you. Keep keep it keep it up. Keep it going. We're gonna keep running together. Okay. Don't give up. You're working I'm not, I'm next not. year's marathon. I'm in the lottery now. for the tw for the oh, yeah. uh, half marathon. I'll find out to, tomorrow. I think. Oh yeah? yeah. Oh, so I just like your sister did the day before. You got yeah, this. Yeah, we'll see. Yes. <laughs> I'll let you know. All right. Thank you again. You're and wrap up. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time. 